Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walcheff. This is a Cali Barbecue Media production. We talk about digital hospitality. That is our running thesis. Every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. And what exactly does that mean? That means that there has never been a greater time to get involved with your smartphone. Uh, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter the size of your business. Uh, if you are an owner, um, you have the ability to broadcast your message and to teach people through example. Um, today's guest is Mike Bosch, the owner of Andalini's Pizza. Um, he's an author. He has grown, he started in 2005, grown to five pizzerias. He might have more than that, but uh, we'll ask him about it. Two gelaterias, two food hall concepts, a food truck, a fine dining concept. He's a world pizza champion, Guinness Book of World Record holder. He's a writer for Pizza Today. He just published a book called Unsliced, How to Stay Whole in the Pizzeria Business. He was named a top 10 pizzeria in the U.S. by TripAdvisor, BuzzFeed, CNN, and USA Today. This guy is a fucking rock star, and we're lucky to spend some time with him today. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Very cool. Very much appreciate it. So I'm going to start with a, a quote from you um, from your LinkedIn feed when you uh, got your book published. It says, I've noticed over the years that when people share more, they get more in return. The people that hold everything inside have any... The people that hold everything inside never have anyone to cover their back or watching out for them. So it's a mixture of altruism and self-interest that I'm releasing this book. I'm very proud of it, which is not an easy statement to say. If it didn't resonate and I hadn't poured over it countless times, I don't think I would ever be able to say that statement. I can recite this 250-page-plus book backward and forwards. I took it from 400 pages and edited it down to only what I know would be evergreen and solidly useful content. I hope that people reading it, they find a book that they can enjoy and gain something from. This book is very much not, hey, come look at me or the Mike Bosch story. It is, let's get to work and make your place better right now. And it doesn't hurt if you laugh a little bit along the way at the screen. That's the things we screwed up in our journey. I want the info to be more important to the reader than it is to me, the author. Truth. I stand behind this. this Battle tested. Yeah, that's a big part of it. You know, you don't want to have theoreticals. Uh, a lot of restaurant books might be someone, hey, this is how we developed this restaurant. And now I only consult and they haven't been in their store in a decade. And uh, there's a lot of value and, and wisdom to those guys, but I'm living it. And here it's also really, really damn hard to write a book while running a lot of stores. And um uh, uh, I, I pulled it off. I, it, it wasn't easy. It took a lot of hours and, and what I'm giving to the reader also on the audiobook. I think the audiobook is the best way to listen to experience the book. Cause anytime I have a joke or, or I, I'm trying to put emphasis on the right syllable, you get to experience <laughs> that and know what I'm trying to say better. And it's a little bit more approachable. So I, I'm stoked off doing stuff, just doing stuff. And when I wrote the book, people would say, well, okay, what's the reason for it? What's, what are you trying to pivot to? And 90% of it, when I started it was like, I just need to get it the hell out of here. Yeah. need to get it on paper in the most perfect way possible, check it off my list and move on. Cause it's annoying me at this point. Like I was really good at expediting a restaurant because I would look at the list of tickets and just say, okay, I got to get, get it going. I like checking shit off, like, go, 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 get it. Okay, go. And not everyone's like that. It, it can overwhelm people. It gets me going when I have a list of things and I can, the larger it is, but I feel like I'm still in control of it. It makes me feel good. Yeah, I think um, it, it's really powerful. It's something that, you know, especially for people like you and me that have been doing it for as long as we have, uh, it gets to the point. I'm, I'm working exactly on a digital hospitality book, um, you know, on our thesis for all the things that we do. And exactly what you said in your post, it's not about me. <laughs> it's about all yeah. the things. It's about teaching all the people, no matter what business you're in, that if, if we can do all these incredible, cool things because of this technology that we've been given, there's no reason that you can can't um, because it's such an exciting time. I mean, you've made such a huge impact on the pizza business globally, uh, but more specifically in Oklahoma, in your, in Tulsa. Um, tell me about how, how you guys started. Uh, you know, where, where did, where did you get your humble start? 
the humility is, is coming from being Irish Catholic Italian and don't <laughs> uh, don't brag about yourself. Uh, <laughs> shut the hell up. The you know I think the humility. Another big part of the humility of it is. I, and you're in California. I, I went to high school, college in California, and, and I went to a high school called De La Salle High School. Okay. De yeah. La Salle, De La Salle High School, juggernaut of football, the longest, Powerhouse. Football, longest football winning streak in the history of the game of football. Yes. No one has ever won more consecutive games. Now, with that said, I didn't play football, but that whole school had the same mentality, which was work your balls off and shut the hell up about it. Yeah. And it's not, it's it's just, yeah, you work, get up early, go to, and it, no one was yelling. Like the coach of that team, you'll see, everyone's seen hundreds of football coaches. That coach never yelled. Coach Bob Latticer never yelled. And, and he's, he read the book too. I mean, he's a friend of mine. He's a great guy. And, and our mentality at that school, because my senior year, we won all of every single sport, whether it was a state or national, even down to academic decathlon, which, and, and De La Salle won things with a team of five foot eight, 190 pound guys. It was the running game. And, and I'm not a massive sports guy, but I am a, a let's game this hard. And I never, as much as I had so much passion for sports and I was the captain of the wrestling team and the captain of the volleyball team, I sucked at both sports. So when I got into the restaurant industry, that it was the first thing I was like, oh, I'm, I could be good at this. Like, yeah, you work hard. doesn't matter how tall, short, wide, thin, doesn't matter. It's, are you working hard? Are you thinking of the next thing that hasn't been thought of yet? Are you not thinking about your direct motivator in the sense? of this is going to make me happy right now, but am I making the customer happy? Their happiness translates into my financial success and this way better approach to life. And that's why I would, I think every kid should work a service job much more than a retail job. You take a kid who's come up in the restaurant industry versus a kid who's worked at the Gap in the mall, two diametrically opposed viewpoints on life. Yeah. Can you explain that? Because I, I love I love we have our own philosophy of the difference between customer service and retail and then mm-hmm. hospitality in the restaurant business. Can you expand on that? There's so I mean, I, I, if you either even back of house, front of house, you're I work hard for the, a product that people will spend their disposable income on for their happiness. And I am here to make their life better. And then especially with a server, if I resonate with this person and create a connection in a very short amount of time, which is a skill set that can be used infinitely in life, I will be better for the journey and get more profit for doing it. It's an immediate response a perfect immediate response on a very natural, almost primal level. And in retail, you could fold every single sweater at the gap in the most perfect way that's ever been done. Here's your 950 an hour. You could, and then just people are like, well, why? Okay, well, what do you need me to do? Fold the sweaters, check people out. Whether you check them out faster or slower, doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe there's an upsell if you get them to sign up for a credit card they don't need, that you know <laughs> they don't need, but there's no win there. There's just none. And with the restaurant industry, and also anyone that's worked a restaurant can immediately tell when they go out to dinner with someone and someone says it's just snotty to a server, that person's never worked a restaurant or just worked in hospitality. Yeah. When they're like, "Uh, excuse me, this water, it's very like super cold. You're like, okay, that person's never worked a restaurant. That has, the person has no idea what they're saying right now. Uh, so we're, we're lucky. We're, like I said, you know, the start of the podcast, we're, we're at this incredible point of, of business, technology, media, content creation. Um, we've made friends all over the globe that also, um, run podcasts, Michael Ting Sager, the hospitality maverick, which is an incredible podcast. He's the one that introduced you and I, uh, Bruce Irving. I know uh, smart pizza marketing. You've been on his podcast, uh, Eric Cacciatore, unstoppable podcast. Um, I've consumed all of those. Uh, I love your message and all of them. Also, two, the, the one you did with Bruce and the one you did with Eric was pre-pandemic. So you said you had 360 employees. Um, can you give us an update of- Eric, Eric Eric was only like a month ago. Okay. 
but uh, Bruce was pre-pandemic. Bruce was like pre-pandemic. February. So yeah. So Bruce, from, Bruce was a 360. Yeah. 360 to 275. Okay. So you were already lean. You were already lean. You didn't have to cut as much. How many full service restaurants do you have? I have six full service restaurants. So five that are full blown brick and mortars, one uh, full service, fine dining, then smaller things like an airport location, two uh, food halls. The food halls are offline right now. Uh, The food truck is still, we're still moving on that. The gelaterias are both in flux right now. Okay. And the the food halls, are you running the entire food hall with multiple concepts or are you a part of multiple concepts? I am two concepts in a place with 20 concepts and I do not run it. And okay. I noticed with the food hall, and I'm, I'm super lucky. Uh, take politics out of the mix. I'm very lucky in Tulsa where it's very laissez-faire. It's very, it's, I don't see people being dumbasses and not wearing masks in Tulsa proper, especially, but it's not like I have someone who says, yeah, you can't have patio dining or there no one. It doesn't change from week to week. The, the It's so pro entrepreneur that they're like, you make the smart call. We'll let the customer figure it out. Um, and at the food halls, they were very like, Hey, we don't want to even jeopardize this. So it, we're going to have a purely pickup. And when it's purely pickup, what occurs is it's like trying to think about buying sunglasses from the sunglass hut in the mall via the parking lot of the mall. You're just like, <laughs> let me go buy some sunglasses from the parking lot of the mall. Yeah. It's not, it's just not going to take. So we had to pause it. Another really weird, very restaurant specific dynamic that occurred was apathy was occurring for the five employees I had at that location. They had no business, but I was like, well, I want to keep the place going. I want to keep them employed. And they started to suck. Yep. They started to suck as employees. And they're like, listen, we're going to leave early today. We're going to close up early. I'm like, if that's the hours, you're there. I don't care if you don't get a dollar, you're there. Yep. And then I was like, I'm better suited taking them to my other stores where I really need staff. It's a weird thing too, is people think that there's a shortage of jobs. There's not in the restaurant. I'm begging for people to like, come on, let's work at the other stores. And when they went to the other stores, these guys who were prime guys, they, their acumen had dipped. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We've noticed, uh, you know, a significant, I mean, what's happening, you know, with the coronavirus, with the digital first, with third party delivery, the, the entire job codes are changing in restaurants and in hospitality. So Mm -hmm. what we asked of a staff member that was a server, that was a bartender before, when we do open back up, because we're, as the date of this recording, we still um, haven't opened back up for dining. We've just uh, delivery and third party only, but today's uh, February 25th. um, You know, we're hiring again for the first time, but we're hiring for our ghost concept. We're hiring for our new concept, which is our old concept, but just new. It's different. So, mm-hmm. you know, the way that a server would come and serve tables, we're using technology now, handhelds, kiosks, things to make it more efficient, more profitable um, to ultimately benefit the customer. I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest thing is to how, how do we make, how do we get great barbecue to the customer on their time, not on our time? Yeah. And I think that's very frustrating for people that are used to, this is how I come in for my shift. This is how much money I'm going to make. This is how big my section is going to be. Everything's shifting at an incredibly quick rate. Uh, the, the, I mean, we're less affected than the coasts, obviously, but knowing what the, I mean, growing up in New York, New Jersey and California, and then living here, I know what, is going on and the pizza community is a very tight community. So I'm talking to my guys across America all the time. Luckily it's pizza is pretty insulated and that people, regardless of situation are going to have pizza. My fine dining, I had to close in uh, quarter two of last year, just cause it was, it just didn't make sense. And people weren't looking to spend disposable level income in a very un- uncertain economy, but pizza as a high-end option, and I'm sure barbecue is the same way, as a high-end option, either if you're super rich, you come down to it, or if you're mid-level income, you still want to come up to it, and that's your new your new version of fine dining. So it's pretty, pretty padded. Uh, but to your point, as the future goes, and 
what the next nine months, three years will will show us. QR ordering, I don't believe is going away. Will QR ordering at the table take more more market share? Uh, will people want servers? Like the pendulum is a weird thing. Is it going to pendulum into I want to hug my server? Or is it going <laughs> to pendulum? Or is it going to pendulum into? I don't care if it's 2023. I expect your whole restaurant to be in masks. Yes. Both are both are completely viable. To say otherwise would be short sighted. I if you, in in a way too early prediction. This is probably a stupid prediction, but this is what I assume today. I assume there is going to be the COVID section. It'll have a different name that will exist for the next five years. Like smoking section will be like, and we have socially distanced uh, tables outside purely for those customers who want that. Yeah. Purely served by servers and masks. Yeah. Just like five to 10% of the demo is celiac or wants not even 5%, but and we, as a whole society, said, okay, let's make gluten-free options for 5%. To assume that there's not going to be 5 to 10% that are germ COVID aware for the next five years would be extremely short-sighted. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point. And it's something that we definitely need to proactively address, um, you know, in our brick and mortars, but also on our online footprints. Uh, some, as somebody that's been in the game as long as you have, you you start you started pre Web 2.0, pre iPhone one released in 2007, June 29th, 2007. I use that date because it helps me and our listeners mm-hmm. understand how short of a time the iPhone's been out and how much has changed and how quickly technology has changed and how much content creation, social media, search engine optimization, website, mobile first, all these things that are so vital to what we do and what we hope our listeners inspires them to do. Um, Tell us about your journey, about launching your first restaurant. 15 years is a very interesting dynamic. We started in 2005. In 15 years, it, I, I say this, it, I wrote this in the last chapter of my book. In 15 years, Keenan Thompson was still on SNL 15 <laughs> years ago. But in 15 years, you had no iPhone, no Facebook, no any of that yep. existed. And if someone is a 21-year-old employee now, since they were six, it's been a complete part of life. So they have no awareness of how how randomly weird this is. Like there's no door door knockers and Valpac. And our name is Andalini's because our original name was Carlucci. Well, my Italian name is Carlucci. And I, and that was already somewhat copywritten. And I had to come up with an A name. Why? Because of the phone book. Yes, the, the yellow phone pages. Book. That mattered. <laughs> Holy shit, the phone book mattered. And you're like, oh, where am I in the phone book? And I'm young. I'm 38 compared yep. to most of like the pizza guys I know that are like 55 or like, oh yeah, we used to do it this way. We would do it this way. And I'm like, you're from Peru. That's a very odd accent for you to have. There's so much that happened in 15 years. And then I, in 15 years though, think about 19... 59 to 1974. That's yeah. 15 years. 1959 to 1974. You went from black and white TV to full blown color. You went from the Beatles are just a bug to they recorded every album they would ever record and broke up. You went from no one had known what Vietnam was to we've been in this war and out of it. We're talking five presidents. So 1959 to 1974, 15 years could be a blip and there could be nothing. And there's nothing that compares since what the cotton gin to the last 15 years of, of industry and progression of media and the lightning. Now with all that said, that's a very top level grandiose thought is okay. How are you monetizing it and not just monetizing it for your personal gain, but for your, I don't like thinking of things in terms of now we're going to make money off. And I want to say product first, experience first, and then money will figure itself out. How are we using that for the grandest experience possible for the coolest shit we could do? Because if that's where we're thinking it is, and you especially know this, no one is going into, you know, San Diego saying, I want the second best barbecue in town. Correct. They want, I want the most convenient meat I can get, 
which yep. is probably chilies or something, or I want the best. So if you're number two, you're just dead when you're trying to be a brand in the food demo. You're either convenient or you're the best. And if you're going for we're pretty fucking good, you're already fucked. You're already dead. So that's where I look at it. And curbside, everyone, I mean, curbside, we just advanced curbside technology a decade in the course of a year. Uh, online ordering, people that were debating it, they, they don't debate it anymore. Yep. The uh, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Amazon Pay is moving at a lightning pace. And um, Apple Pay, whether it's online or that I can tap my phone to the, to the, when I check out, all that. And having a POS provider that's moving at a lightning pace, when people say, oh, I, I, but, well, it's really hard on the back end or, or we like this POS because it's really easy on our servers, but it's not easy for the customer, but it's really easy for our servers. I think those guys are, are the ones who are going to miss the boat. For sure. We talk a lot about oh shit moments, like oh shit technology <laughs> moments, um, particularly because I had a lot of them. You know, when we first opened our business in 2008 with my one of my best friends from college, he was on Facebook and uh, I was giving him shit, you know, pretending that he was trying to pick up chicks. Like, you know, what are you trying to do? Trying to pick up girls. And then I realized we couldn't get anybody to come into our restaurant. We were struggling to pay our payroll. I was like, we need, I don't, I'll market, I'll do whatever is possible to survive. And if that means starting a Facebook page, we're fucking going to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was like an oh shit moment for me where we first, claimed our own Facebook page. Um, do you have any oh shit moments when it comes to, to digital and social? Digital, so many. And, and I'm not just saying that to say it on a podcast. That's really hit me over the face. What's really interesting about the dynamic of social media is I aspire to, to work my balls off to make the best thing I can do. And even when you're like, you're the shit of what you could do. And I look at, there's so much more. Yeah. I'm like, I, I could be posting 10 stories a day of me yeah, or of the, and I'm like, and I'm not. And then, then there's all these debates about content and everything, but there's so much more. There's never, it's never done. There's no, there's no end prize. It's just more. And you have to keep going. And even if you're the shit, you're not. So I can look at comparatively in my market, but still I'll see what someone else is doing. I'm like, Oh my God, look at what they're doing. The, like in 2008, you know, coming up with email campaigns and yep. and doing that at a very early level with 800 followers and trying to make it a thing and, and realizing I need to, you know, being up till four in the morning on the email campaign because the technology was very antiquated to make the thing look halfway decent. Yep. And then even I had a, like a gut check in 2016, 2017, where we were just doing everything right with our social. And I was like, it's not, it's not cool. It's not, I don't care about it. And I just kind of tossed out the playbook. I said, we're starting over. Uh, and I took the people that, you know, were doing my PR, which was, it was good enough to have a PR person kind of social, like I'm purely having social and I want you to be purely dedicated to my emails. I'm going to decide what it is. So I'm not up till 4 a.m. I'm going to say, I want a, a big promotion on garlic knots that goes like this. I want it this day. I want it this day. Your whole job is that. Yes. And I'm just going to lose money for the next few months, spending it on you to build this profile up. And, and, and it worked. I, I bet on us and it always works when I bet on us. I take a loss at the beginning and I've yet to have it not pan out. Even originally with social, I, a big aha moment was I was speaking to me in the audience. My audience, I was doing the Twitter myself and I was writing super in-depth jokes about what I saw on Mad Men the night before. Like I was like, <laughs> like just really like, like if your name's not Dick Whitman, come to Andalini's. You know, and, and I'm like, I am killing, I am I'm killing, killing. With, with one out I'm of the best follow. People. I'm the best follow on the internet. <laughs> and, 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 and like someone said, you're really funny to the one out of 80 people that get your jokes. And, uh, and people are like, oh, my God, this guy is so fucking funny. And she's like, you have moms that you want to get to eat here. I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, how about what's your favorite pepperoni topping pizza? And I was like, that's lame. He's like, well, moms are going to like it. Now, again, this is a 2021 mindset. 2010 was engagement with just and Facebook was the Wild West and everyone saw whatever you posted. So.
So it was like, we're talking about pizzas. What's your favorite? What's what drink do you love? And, and that type of stuff it was a little corny to me at the time, but I saw the numbers increase. And then again, 2017, I saw that there's people with cooler videos. I'm like, we're going to produce a full fledged skit or in-depth did you know video at least once a month yeah but the beauty of the the that used to be like a i think i i did a photo shoot or quote of the photo shoot and video shoot in 2014 at like three thousand dollars yes and now it's like 250 375 yes. for stuff like that yeah so yeah i think one of the most important things that we tell our audience people listen to this podcast is that there's never been a time where so many different creatives are available to business owners whether they're a writer whether they're a photographer whether they do video work whether they do editing work podcast work audio work like there's such a wealth of talent and they don't even need to be in your local area no i mean God, no. over my producers in portland oregon Ian, my writer, he's in Austin, Texas. Um, you know, you can start to build a team of incredibly talented people and start to do things that are compelling to you. I mean, I I love this uh, this story that Cal Fussman. He's uh, he was a writer for the Esquire. He has a a podcast, but he interviewed Kobe Bryant before he passed away. He went to Kobe Kobe Bryant's studio, and he's behind Kobe Bryant's wall is a sign that says "Make Epic Shit." and that's essentially the essence of what we try to do every day. And mm -hmm. the more that I talk to you, the more I realize that's you have the same blood type. I mean, we, we don't have a lot of time on this earth, so let's do the things that pull us. You know, when I wake up every morning at 340 in the morning and get my day started at 4 a.m., I'm, I'm doing that because I can't fucking wait. I can't wait yeah. to get after it. Um, yeah. What's your mindset every day? I, I'm annoyed with me. <laughs> And I'm like, there's something smarter and you haven't figured it out yet. Go figure it the shit out. And what else is there? And I think I've gotten better at like not being as hard on myself in general and and take kind of taking a step back. You know, a lot of the stuff that I, I threw up on the wall, like to see if it lands. Even the book, I don't have any ego. I think ego is a really worthless thing because it doesn't provide you any new benefit and it, how much you love yourself today is how much you're screwing yourself over for tomorrow. But I, I really tried really hard and then it's landed into things and people are benefiting from it. But I get up, I work out. I think it's, it centers my mind a lot more to, to work out it uh, and be done with that before seven and take my son to school or get him off to school with my wife. And, and then it's game on all day. Uh, and calling it in early. I, I saw a, a TikTok video where they were like, you know, there's only so many days. If you're sleeping seven hours a day and you wake up at 10 a.m. versus waking up at 4 a.m., it's still, and you, but you still slept seven hours. It's the same difference. And after going to bed late, waking up at like eight and then w working throughout the day and going to bed at like one, I know I'm more productive getting up at four to five, having workout out of the way, all my stuff pounding out emails when it's soft and then the hours at night are kind of superfluous and if i get done with all my emails by eight and call it a day i'm yeah. much more productive uh i am excited i'm excited to own and run shit in america and I, I think i'm surprised when i meet people who aren't excited to do that a lot of people it's scary a lot of people have fear of success and yeah it is about being built different. You would think it's just normal. Oh, I, I don't want to answer and dance for the man. I don't like, I like seeing my ideas to come to fruition. I like building stuff, but a lot of people need a daddy. And a lot of people don't like putting themselves out on front street. And that's great. Cause I need them in my life to, to do the other stuff, but that's not me. So I, I grew up with, I never met my father. I grew up, my grandfather was an immigrant from Bulgaria. He was born to be a farm boy. He made an incredible life, became a medical doctor, World War II. I mean, he he raised me in La Jolla, very privileged part of San Diego, um, privileged part of the world. But he, he was my inspiration for hard work and for curiosity. Um, he was the one that really set the bar for me to know that 
everything, whatever I'm going to bitch about, like he had already done 1000 times fold much harder in a much more difficult situation. So that's why no matter what we go through, I go through on a daily basis, I have that grounded. Who, who is your, your guiding mentor who, who set the bar for you? That's a very uh, good example. And it's a very cool story. My dad's a Lieutenant Colonel of the Marine Corps who uh, signed on after having three kids at 20 and went into OCS, Officer Candidate School, which I went into as well when I was 19 uh, years old. And as a result, I have type one juvenile diabetes. I didn't know I had that. And so I went into OCS, did all the training. I was 135 pounds on the edge of death and thought, uh, and then I, they're like, yeah, you have diabetes, dumbass. I was like, I'm not 80, I'm not Wilford Brimley. They're like, you can have it <laughs> as a kid too. You have the juvenile version. Yeah. You have, and uh, at that point I, I thought life I didn't know how long I was going to live. So I had a very, you know, self-check moment Say, okay, well, let's do as much in life as possible. You're not going to work driving packages for UPS since you get life going. Let's start this game up now, which I think some people assume they're going to start life in their forties. And I, I, that was gone. Now, as far as inspirations, my dad is the greatest leader I've ever met. And he went from, you know, not having a, a, a great upbringing, but working his ass off in the Marine Corps. And all the stuff that you kind of see in the Marines today, he helped facilitate. He would never give himself that credit, but he was like the Forrest Gump of the Marine Corps. If you ever see someone that's on Fox News or whatever that's a Marine, especially from 2001 to 2020, they worked for my dad at some point. And he could just tell me, oh yeah, that guy's an asshole. Oh, that guy's cool. <laughs> like uh, Mattis worked for my dad. and. My dad's just a cool guy. Now, my mom is the opposite of my dad and was very organized, very, I never had to wonder if I was going to have a dentist appointment, like very, everything was according to plan. And so he was this gregarious leader and she was the very put together, not, not life of the party person. And I combined both their traits and, and seek to do that. That's it's just in my DNA. As far as professionally, a guy named Tony Gimignani out in San Francisco has been a mentor to me throughout the last 15 years. He's easily the uh, Mike to say he's a Michael Jordan of pizza would be almost underselling it because he's the when you say who's the greatest, like Kobe or, or Jordan, who's the greatest? Usually when you say who's the greatest, there's three things that a person is really thinking of. One, the Babe Ruth effect. Like who's the first to do it? Yep. Then who's the greatest? The the Barry Bonds effect. Who's has the biggest numbers? Yeah. People would say, he, no, Barry, he's he's way better than Babe Ruth. People are like, oh, no, Babe Ruth's better because he came. So you're talking numbers or first? And then the third is, oh, I'm a Dennis Eckersley fan because he's – I just love – because you saw him do it when you were a kid or something. So those are the three that define the greatest. And he is the greatest of pizza and that he was the first to do almost everything that you see out there in the pizza game, first to have multiple styles in one restaurant, first to win all these awards, has the most – awards of anyone in the game and then i've eaten at his restaurant like this is really damn good so and he being my mentor this whole time and and like saying no don't do that do it this way and and working together and and working so much intertwined on this industry has made us better how did you develop that mentorship it was i think he he helps out a lot of places but i called him when i was 22 and he talked to me for an hour and i had called a lot of other places and I saw him on Food Network and they have other places that blown me off. And he's talking to me for an hour. He doesn't even know me. And then I met him and he was doing a pizza school at, with bringing people from Italy to teach the school so he could one day do the school that he had done himself in Italy, a college level course on pizza. And he just saw how stoked I was to, to work hard and asked me to be on his pizza team that competed internationally. And then he just saw I wasn't bullshit. I, I work hard and I was one, you know, fledgling little store. He was one store at the time. And now he's gone on to have a massive amount of stores. And, and I've been right there. I'm like, five to 10 years behind him in career this whole time. It's amazing. I'm like, that worked. I'm going to do it my way of his, you know, I, I once said to him, I want to do a, a all beer bar, just every style of beer, just a massive beer bar. And then he showed me a bottle of vodka. He's like, you know how much money I make on this one bottle? 
by the time I use all the cocktails, don't do that. <laughs> like right? probably, probably a million dollar tip. I just got there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you mentioned that every day you, you take your son to school. Um, I'm, I too, am a new dad. I have a three-year-old son. He's turning four this summer. My daughter's going to be turning. So two. is mine. Yes. He's turning um, four this summer too. So it's, I know that everything changes, you know, people, your best friends, all the people, you know, they tell you everything changes when you become a father. What, what did it mean for you to become a dad? It's, it's not like I had to grow up in the sense, cause I already was very organized, but it just meant the, Oh, Hey, it's, I got done with the night and let's go have some beers. It's like, I it just change your focus. To, I don't really care. I don't really want to do that. I want to focus on him and, and being a, I, I want to be good at this too. And it came at a really awkward time because we were opening up simultaneously, like seven things that kind of just were predicating upon the other. Well, we have to do this to be able to do this, to be able to do that. Some were small, some were large. And then I just uh, didn't want that to, I wanted to take the time and I wanted to be good at this. And I, I've always been, I've been waiting to be a dad for so long that I'm happy and I wanted to kill it. My dad is a good dad and he wasn't there for my other three siblings who are like 15 years older than me. Cause he was in Vietnam. He was on in Germany, in Russia. Uh, and then he took the time to be my dad. And I was like his second chance. And I don't think I'm getting a second chance you know, in 50 or whatever, I don't want to have a child. <laughs> so I want, this is my son. This is what I, I, my focus is. And, and I love it. I, I love being a dad. So that's where I'm at with it today. Yeah. There's uh definitely nothing greater. There's no greater job in the world. And it's, it's, uh, it's the most challenging and the most rewarding job at the same time. Uh, whatever you learn today or yesterday is going to change the next day um, as they grow up so fast. Um, Tell me a little bit more about your book. So the book is called Unsliced How to Stay Whole in the Pizzeria Industry. And it is, I I wrote it with, um, if anyone's heard of Tucker Max, he has a, a book school and he wrote, uh, I hope they serve beer in hell. He writes <laughs> in a very, he writes in a very approachable way, but this is a, a, a place where a lot of people who have grandiose visions, want, but like um, David Goggins book, was written through this process and he's obviously a guy a lot of people super respect and rightfully so so i put all myself into a book of my manager school i took that that i was training my managers on formulated it and then made it into like three chapters and then there is a chapter on how to decide whether or not the restaurant industry is for you and if you bought off on that how to get customers to care about you how to get staff to want to work for you then how to figure it out in a way that they are maximizing and getting to their best point and then how to get vendors and all the people that are not on your payroll to maximize those relationships to create better operations which lead to better return of value and, and ROI obviously. And then being an owner in this industry to, to make it that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, not just I'm getting by to day to day, but also I'm maximizing my life with this position. And that's what, it's a very culminating book. I wrote it and then I said, yeah, I'd like to have an audio book. And they were like, well, you do you have someone's voice that you want to do? I'm like, no, I'll do it. And they're like, well, you'll fly, you got to fly to LA. I was like, nah, I'll get my radio guys that I do stuff with here, and yeah. we'll record it. And and like, okay, cool, you can do that. So that's a lot of awesome. And so the audio book, I think you get to see the essence of it. I've gotten it was named by Entrepreneur Magazine as the one of the best business books you need to read in 2021, uh, which I'm very proud of, and I think if you if you're listening to this podcast i think you'll dig it if you don't dig it you can just write me an email go to unslicebook.com and say this is garbage pay me back i'll send you money <laughs> if you think that this is a garbage book not worth your time i'll happily pay you back but uh, very there's times where i'll make a pizza and i'll be like i think this segment will like this but i don't know about these guys or this is a pretty all-around good or this is an all-around great everyone will love this pizza and i think this book is that 
I appreciate that. And I, I mean, anybody that listens to this podcast knows that we have guests that range from all different industries, all different backgrounds, people that are influencers, business owners, small business owners, big business owners, tech entrepreneurs. Uh, there's a reason why we have them on. And that's because the themes, um, they run similar, but they're all unique. And we believe that the people that are coming on, uh, you can learn from them because I know that I'm learning. Um, so even if you're not in the pizza business, I think you should uh, definitely check out the book. I know I'm going to buy a copy. Um, I love reading. It's one of uh, my passions that I was gifted by my grandfather. Um, but reading, I mean, it's it's the easiest way to distill the amount of information. It, it's a way to hack your brain. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you put all the damn work in and then now you've given us a gift that's only uh, 250 pages or, or I can listen to it. So we appreciate that, that gift that you've given. One thing I do want to ask you about is content creation and why, as somebody that's doing as much as you're doing, why were you compelled to start writing for pizza today? The, I, again, I, I can't be in the back seat. And I go, I go, you gotta be driving. I, I gotta fucking drive. And I would, I would go to pizza today. I go to pizza expo and I'd be like, this is good. I'd see some speeches. And I was like, that's a lot of great information, but maybe it wasn't delivered with a very, vim and vigor palatable way like okay so we're going to talk about your profit and loss statement if you have a profit and loss statement you're going to want to add a a line (laughs) on the third line and i was like god damn it and i was like i could make this thing you know it just i guess i'm not like trying to be a showman but if i'm going to do something i'm going to make it not suck like make it not suck yes so i was like i could do that in a way that i think would be fun that if someone was here that they would get something from it because i learned so much going to that expo and then i'd see articles they're really good articles and i'm like well i have a, I had a tip on something that i think would help someone and i told the editor he's like great uh, send me write it up and I did it. And then he's like, you know what? Give me like eight tips. It just, I did small little blurbs. And then the month went by. He's like, you want to just do that every month? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. And it's, it's not like the money or anything. I just, and I write it and I get emails from across the world. Like, oh man, that helped me so much. What did you do to do this? And I, I'm like, I'm helping someone. And I got an email this morning from Hungary. Amazing. Someone I read. It. I was like, that's, it's just cool shit in life. Like the, if I, it's not going to, that's not going to translate into money. And, and that got me thinking about the book and I'm writing in my writing skill. I mean, I, I graduated college with a poli sci major. I can write a, a paper, but yeah. I didn't consider myself a professional writer. And then I really doubled down on, well, what could I do to be better at writing and develop a whole process, which is very unique to each person. And I noticed it's a lot like developing a comedic voice on stage is developing a writer's voice. And I just said, this is cool. And now with the parlaying it into something, we we have this really unique situation right now where I'm sitting at, I'm in my office next to a conference room. I'm above my fine dining restaurant, which is next door to my my pizza restaurant, which is across the street from our gelateria. So we have quick service, full service restaurant, and then fine dining all right here with a, a conference room. And we're like, we could have people come here when they say, hey, I want to have my, I'm buying a restaurant. I don't really know what I'm doing, but my nephew's going to run it. Don't do that. <laughs> but set, if you're, if your heart's set on it, send your dumbass nephew to me and I'll show him how to do, whether it's full service, fine dining, quick serve, how to open a day or close a day on a pizza, on a POS, yeah. how to handle someone that's late, how to get your, your P&L set up, how to do a recipe card and how to have it all integrate on a very small level as well as a highly operational level and charge for that. And that instead of me going out to Kalamazoo and doing some consulting, which doesn't interest me at all, you come here, we'll take time out of our week, show you how to do it. And then that's another profit stream that I think would benefit people. I'm like, what, if I could give myself that 15 years ago, we would have saved three years of agita. Yep. And that's um, something that we'd like to do in this next year. That's incredible. What, um, what are you, what are you looking for this year right now? Um, given it's February end of, end of February, 2021, what's, uh, what do you have on the slate? I are uh, my first trip is slated to be at pizza expo. I am the, uh, the keynote speaker of pizza expo in June in Las Vegas, Las Vegas is rolling back restrictions slowly. Uh, I got vaccinated last week cause I'm type one diabetic. So I'm living in the free world. 
looking doorknobs, <laughs> doing whatever I need to do. And uh, I am looking forward I, I the to whatever the next step is. And my guess, again, stupid guess in advance, is that private parties being socially acceptable to friends and not being at the pariah of the neighborhood were probably April, May on that. Yeah. Like, and then, so... Fourth of July will be big. And then I think concert venues will be, hey, enter at your own risk come September, at least in mid-America. I don't think LA or New York are going to go for it just yet, mm-hmm. but I can see some parts. And they're going to see it doing well here. And if numbers are going down and there's no variance, then I think we're going to – I'm really – the X factor question is, when is my bartender going to safely be allowed to not wear a mask? And it's also – let's say it's completely safe or as safe as life could be that a customer is not going to feel offended for them not wearing that mask. How long are we, how far are we from that? I don't have that answer. Yeah. That's a great question. It's one of the things that we did right when the restrictions came down in, uh, in March 17th in California was we went to our bar and we put bar stools six feet away from each other. And man, that looks like a shitty, shitty bar. When you, <laughs> when you put, when you put a bar stool six feet, feet away from another bar stool, um, it's certainly not the neighborhood bar, not the vibe that, um, we were trying to create when we opened up the business. So we're looking forward to stacking people in again on fight night and getting people packed in on an NFL site. Sunday. Of uh, course, I, I, the, we, uh, the whole first week of COVID is the, the, op- the introduction into my book. And it's not about our, the pain of COVID it's okay. This sucks. Change it, make a system, do it. That one worked. That one did it change that system. Do this. What are we going to do here? Okay. Reverse curbside market to people this way, Facebook posts, social media, no time for videos. So we're going to do this, 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 this change it again. And then we made payroll. You know, and how how did that happen? And this is the industry that you're signing up for. And because I had these systems that took 15 years to create that I'm about to show you, that week was a profitable week. Yep. And and how the hell do you do that? That's what I get into uh, a lot with the book. And then we built barriers by April when we opened back up for Dino, which we were allowed to do in April. We had full blown, not little barriers, but full blown cubicles at every table because the thought of going down to 25%, I was like, I can't do that. But yeah. if I cubicle each table, my servers can make their money. And I really thought that that was going to be the thing of the whole industry. And it kind of didn't happen. Just like a little bit of plexiglass, but not like we put six foot tall um, plex or a foam core to get this across. And I look forward to taking those down one day in a safe, hospitable way. So the, the last thing I'm going to ask you about is, is branding. Uh, as somebody that we started our business as California Comfort Restaurant and Sports Bar, and then we went to Cali Comfort, and then we went to Cali Comfort Barbecue when it became a barbecue concept, and now we're Cali Barbecue. Um, we're, we're, we understand that you have to evolve as a brand. Um, tell us why it's at Ando's Pizza on Instagram and all the other social platforms. Well, it's at Ando Pizza because Andolini's Pizzeria people would spell wrong. You don't really need to spell it anymore, but back in the day, if you would, you would have to spell it. Right. So it, and then I like Andalonis and Andorinis. And it's like, no, it's, it's goddamn it. It's Andalinis and pizza. You can't screw that up. A N D O pizza. And just say, and originally Andalinis was Andalinis pizzeria and Italian restaurant. And it was like, I think we almost, I think our first on our tax paperwork, it's Andalini's New York Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant. Because <laughs> you, you're like, hey, dummies, this is everything. And from a brand perspective, we did it in this font. And then under it, we had a flag. This is, this just shows you all the fuck ups that we had. We had a flag that was green, white, and red. And we had it like this, like ribbon under it, but like dumbasses, we did it wrong. And it was actually the Mexican flag. Yes. And, it was <laughs> yes. and then we're like, and then it didn't, here's why it didn't even fucking matter though. Cause when we sent it to our sign guy, we uh, sent it in RGB instead of CMYK. So they get the art file and it's just a rainbow. So, our our original sign was this and a rainbow ribbon under it. No way. That we, we just saw, it wasn't like over. Do you have a like, Do you have a photo of that? I do. It's not rainbow in the sense of like classic like rainbow bright rainbow, but it's like kind of orange, kind of red, kind of this, kind of that, and it's 
you just suck. We're like, I don't have the money to undo that. And we just lived with it for like four years. And then we changed our whole logo to like uh, this guy <laughs> on my arm. And now I do cool shit. Like you, I saw on your LinkedIn you, sports entertainment fan, right? So yes, I, I didn't realize I, I love that the, pizza club. That's like my fight, so, fight so, club. Uh, so, you know, like the bullet club, I just do shit now that I like, and I'm like, come on, come on for the ride with Andalini's pizzeria. Uh, oh shit! Well, you have to send me a photo of that uh, yeah. that Mexican flag, the pizza, the Mexican pizza that became flag. a rainbow. Yeah, <laughs> that became a rainbow. Stover, our producer, will put a link to that in the show notes. I don't think I want that. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I know it, it needs to go digital. out there. I'll, we have digital proof now, or or I'll find yeah. somebody in in Tulsa there that doesn't will give exist. Me a photo. I've scratched it. I have scrubbed that because it's, it's two thousand five. That sounds like a topic at Pizza Expo. Come on, I, I, I you know. To your point, I probably will put that up there on the slides in the, in the, in the hero's <laughs> journey. But it, to, think about how li- what? How old are you? I'm I'm turning forty next next year. Okay. So, I, so you, and I'm thirty nine. So we're, yep. we have the same age kids. So we have a lot in common. Correct. What is there? Twenty photos of you as a child. Pretty much. Total? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like my my, ch- my children have twenty photos a day of every day that yes. they've been alive. <laughs> so twenty photos in, and twenty videos. Whatever we did in 2005 was not highly documented. <laughs> correct. Correct. That all vastly changed. Oh, shit. Mike, uh, it's been truly a pleasure, man. I, uh, I can't appreciate you for taking the time. Thank you for your leadership, your compassionate transparency, um, for doing what you're doing for not just the pizza business, but the entrepreneurial business. Um, it's really exciting shit, man. Uh, you're leading by example and um, can't tell you how much uh, we appreciate your time. We're going to, like I said, put links in the show notes to stuff we talked about. We're definitely putting a fucking photo of that um, <laughs> Mexican pizza flag uh, and rainbow flag. But nonetheless, thank you guys for listening. Um, we're grateful. Please interact with uh, Mike. Follow him on social. Um, go to the Pizza Expo. Listen to him uh, and get his book, Unsliced. Um, I'm going to get it and I'm going to uh, give you some feedback. But it'll be positive feedback. <laughs> I won't talk shit. I promise. So if you have something shitty to say, tell me. I, oh, I, I, it, I'm, I, have no, I have no problem with constructive criticism. That's for sure. Uh, but Mike, thank you for the time, man. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Have a great day.